Welcome to the A-Game Podcast with Nick LaMagna, digging into the minds and experiences of some of today's brightest entrepreneurs in real estate and business, along with Hollywood stars, UFC fighters, and your favorite rock bands. People that have figured out how to overcome obstacles, take chances, live boldly, and no matter what they do, they always bring their A-Game. My guest today on the A-Game Podcast is Bill Allen. Bill Allen is the founder of Seven Figure Flipping. He is the host of the Seven Figure Flipping Podcast. He does over 150 to 200 deals in Tennessee, in Florida. He is a military, a Navy, correct, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you for your service. A military guy turned a full-time real estate investor. Um, he's got masterminds. He's done a whole bunch of stuff. He's doing private funding raises. He's a wealth of knowledge, and I really appreciate him giving me an hour of his time today. So um, we were just talking a little bit before we got going. And um, I love, first off, talking to military people. Thank you very much for your service. Yeah, you're welcome, Nick. It's been my honor to serve over these few years. So uh, it's always interesting when, and I don't mean to cut you off, but it's hard for a lot of military. I find it's hard. It was hard for me for a long time how to answer that. Because, you know, people say it all the time now, ever since, you know, September 11th was like the big push of what our generation started seeing this. And I struggled with that for so long. And now it's, it's just understanding it's a simple thank you, or you're welcome is like, it's been so hard for me to make that turn. So, uh, but it's our honor to serve like everybody that serves everybody that puts in their time. It's, I've just been, uh, I've just been so blessed to be around the, these kind of people um, for almost 18 years now. It's just amazing to, to see that. So. Thanks. I appreciate you saying that and, and everybody else that does too. We, we really do appreciate it, but sometimes we might not know how to answer. I'll just put, throw that out there. Fair enough. Fair enough. I respect that. But, you know, I got to say the over the last you know, 10, 15, 20 years of people I've been dealing with in business and jujitsu and boxing just in life, but just in the military, the, the level of brotherhood and the level of just leadership skills and integrity that I see has been absolutely amazing. And especially guys that take that discipline and accountability structure and they bring it over to business of all kinds especially real estate they just absolutely kill it man so it doesn't surprise me at all that um you know just for talking to you for five minutes before we started recording you know you got your posture good you're you're well articulated i can tell you're a you know take no crap type of guy man so i i think it's awesome i appreciate everything so i see uh, i took some notes over here too so i know it looks like um you you've been doing this for a long time you started out doing some some rentals and then it looked like you were getting into some flips to pay for the rentals. And I always like to just hear a little bit of the journey of how you started getting into real estate. Have you always had that entrepreneurial blood? Because one of the things I think benefits a podcast like this is people that listen to it, that think the people that are successful, the people that are millionaires, the people that are doing 200 deals a year, like yourself, they're born on third base or they have some sort of secret sauce or they're doing something that everybody isn't. But especially right now with, all this information with podcasts and Facebook groups and YouTube channels, it's, there's never been more free content out there with people that just started out the same way. And it's literally documented now. It's been out there long enough that you can literally document somebody from them going up like they're posting, hey, I'm, I'm interested in getting into real estate. How do I do it? And then four or five years later, they're doing 100 deals. They have their own programs. And I mean, it's right there. Everybody has the opportunity. But what's the difference between somebody getting that information and doing something with it versus just continue looking for more and more. So um, just talk a little bit about yourself and your journey through the military into business and to how you got where you are today. Yeah, absolutely. I think I, I know exactly what you're getting at because so many people come up to me as like, I just want to do what you do, but I can't necessarily relate to 
like the fact that you're doing hundreds of deals a year and just everybody that's listening. I struggled a lot. Like I hit walls. I was doing one house a year for a long time, but to go back, <clears throat> I was not a born, I, I looking back to see, to see my journey. I was, I was an entrepreneur. I was like, I, but I had no idea for a long time, even what that was. So I, um, I would set when I was a kid. I would sell uh, baseball cards. I would trade a lot of baseball cards and sell baseball cards. And I'd go to card shows. And I was like the the twelve year old kid at the card show with all the other like thirty and forty year old guys there, like selling and trading cards. And I would I, I we couldn't afford to buy the nice glass displays, so I would build them at my house with plexiglass and little uh, uh, pieces of wood. And um, I I remember I would mow lawns. I was always trying to turn a buck into two bucks. I almost got kicked out of middle school because I was like I had this candy shop. Uh, before school. So I'd walk to school every morning. Uh, this was in Maryland. We, I spent half my life in California, half in Maryland. And I, I had, uh, you know, those old pencil boxes. I don't know if you guys remember those, but it's a pencil box. You kept all your pencils in. Well, I had candy in it and I was, I would buy it. My dad would buy it from the commissary in bulk and then I'd mark it up and sell it to make money, uh, I guess. And then I, I like employed a couple people to help me at the other sides of the school. So I had this little shop set up and eventually I got in some trouble for it. And so stuff like that, you know, but I had no idea that what that was. I just thought that that was what kids do. Like I, I was just really fascinated by money and the ability to turn a dollar into $2. And then I did the normal path. I went to college, played soccer, was, did ROTC for the Navy, got commissioned in the Navy, went to flight school. Um, I'm an engine, I have an engineering background. So I think that comes with the analytical mind. I was constantly trying to turn the dials and, you know, turn money into more money and, and stuff like that. And, and then I was just, I flew airplanes and helicopters for the Navy for a long time. And I was active duty. I had a paycheck. I did I invest in the stock market and I didn't really know much about uh, real estate, but um, I bought a house in California in 2006. It was 385,000. It was a condo in Pacific beach. Almost. You can see the water, like a peekaboo um, about two blocks off the water. And uh, in 2010, I sold that condo for 200,000. So it was about $185,000 loss on that condo. And, um, but I got bailed out by the governments. They had a, a housing assistance program during the crash for military members that can move. So I didn't get hit as hard as it sounds, but that was my first like taste of real estate. And um, I was renting it out, losing 800 bucks a month for a couple of years after I moved. And, um, but I still saw that there was some capability in real estate to get me where I wanted to go a little bit faster. So I would buy a house when I moved, I'd buy another house, move into it. And when I left, I would rent it out, did that a couple of times. And then I started seeing this compound and build on itself. And I started getting excited about it. So that was kind of my intro to real estate. And I, I was a, I wasn't a good landlord. I was just somebody who, and I wasn't really like jumping in, diving into real estate, but I, I did what you're talking about. I was, I was really cheap. I would read books and I would get information on free forums. I would even go to the library. Like I had a library card. I would not spend money even to buy the book. And so I was listening to podcasts, going to the library, doing those things. And I thought like the coaching and training and development space was a waste of money because my whole life I had been thinking like traditional education is where you should spend your money. I spent millions of dollars on my education uh, through, I was a test pilot for the Navy. It's a million dollars to send a Navy pilot through test pilot school. So, but I never batted an eye at that. It was just like, Oh yeah, that, that seems normal, right? That's what you do. It's traditional education, but self-education was never something that I really like dove into or because it seemed like everybody was talking about how it's a ripoff and they're going to screw you over and they don't actually do what they're talking about and all of those things. So I, I listened to podcast, read this and I said, you know what, I'm going to do this. So I just jumped in and I flipped, a, I, I bought a house that was going to be a rental 
I put some money into it. And then my realtor said, hey, you know, you could sell this and make quite a bit of money. I said, all right, let's try it. She wanted a, a second commission, right? She wanted the, the back end commission. So I made $43,000 on it. And I said, wow, this is, this is like half my income from the whole year. And I was doing it on the side while I was still active duty. I was uh, flying in Maryland. I was at Patuxent River, Maryland at that time. And I said, this feels good. Let's do it again. And so I started looking for another house. It took me like four months to find the next one. I had moved from Maryland down to Florida then. I was in Pensacola, found another one about four months after I got there and uh, did it again, made $45,000 on that house. But my problem was I was doing all the work. I was putting in all the time. I was driving around and I was listening to these people on these podcasts say like, I never see the house. I, I do a hundred houses a year. I don't go, I have a team. I have other people that help me. And I said, you know, this sounds really good. I want to do something like that. Maybe not a hundred. I want to do 12 a year. That was my goal. But I just couldn't see how to get there. Like I could not, I couldn't see it. It wasn't, wasn't realistic to me. Um, I never knew anybody that did that. I hadn't been around anybody that did that. I didn't think, I actually thought they were probably lying and stuff like that. So, but as I was listening, I started to relate to someone, this person who's on the podcast. I was relating to them. I said, you know what? I actually kind of trust this person. And this is the kind of person I want to follow. And so my advice, what you said is like, there's a lot of free content. There's a lot of YouTube videos. There's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of times what happens in all that is you get confused about what to do. So my advice that I give anybody is like, find the person that you think that you know, like, and trust and, or you build trust and you can follow them and they sound credible and somebody that you like and like dive into their stuff and follow them. And you said the path is laid out there. It is. But what I looked at it is I looked at this puzzle when I was getting going and I just, I had all the pieces to the puzzle. I just didn't know how to put it together. And that's what I, um, that's what I kind of a lot of what I feel like is out there in the world right now, there's a lot of conflicting advice and confusion and all of these things about what to do, what not to do. And you get in this analysis paralysis. You just get into a cycle a lot of times. So for me, I, I did what I never thought that I would do. I spent $25,000 on a mastermind group. I just joined. I never, I never met the guy, never went to the stuff. I just just listening to his podcast. And funny enough, you mentioned that I, I was the founder of Seven Figure Flipping. I'm actually not the founder. I'm the owner of the company now. But I was a paying member five years ago when it started. So I actually paid money the first year, the second year, and then I became a coach and one of the mentors. And eventually when the guy who I was listening to, uh, my mentor, was interested in selling the company, I bought it. So awesome. that's the kind of story of that path. But I was just like everybody listening. Like I was figuring it out. I was hitting a wall. I was going through these cycles. I was back to YouTube. I was back to uh, the free forums online, back to the Facebook groups asking questions, like not knowing who to trust, who to believe. And if you look at my post six years ago, seven years ago in some of these free forums, I should not have been giving advice. I had no experience. I had no idea what I was doing, but I was answering questions because I had nothing better to do. I was sitting in my basement. I, like I, I, I think about this, like the old, I don't know if you remember like, like AOL, like America Online before you could like log in. You have no idea who you're talking to. Like you're chatting and it's like, this could be like, and people meet online and it's not, it's just, it's weird, right? So in real estate, I think there's a lot of like, you don't necessarily know who's behind that avatar and who that is and what their experience is. So my, my advice to people, I spend, I spend a lot of money on my education now, my self-education, my personal development, personal growth. I go to lots of events um, and I just need one piece of information from them that I can take and I can make an extra 50 or $100,000 with it. Like I just listened, I just watched a video yesterday. I wrote, it, I wrote it up on my whiteboard here in my office. And that, that one thing that I pulled out of this course that I paid $15,000 for 
it will make me another 150 or two, just that one thing. And it's been a month and a half before I even jumped into it. I, but that will make me a lot of money. Just that idea and concept changed my mindset. So I know I just rambled for a long time, but I was not, I, I feel like I was a closet entrepreneur, like born entrepreneur. I didn't realize it until I was like 35. And, um, and so I wish I realized it earlier. Um, so I do a lot of work trying to help people find that they're an entrepreneur. And if you're not an entrepreneur, a born entrepreneur, that's okay. You can be a self-employed person. Um, you just might not be the next Elon Musk or Walt Disney or big, huge entrepreneurs building massive companies. Um, and like, I, but I worked at it. Like I, I like to work, I work hard and I put in the time and I put in the effort and energy and I, I trusted somebody else to show me the path and show me how to put the puzzle together. Because once you, once you can see the puzzle, Nobody can take it away from you. Like nobody, you can take all my money, you can take all my resource, resources, you can take my whole staff right now, you can drop me on the corner anywhere and I will be successful. I'm confident in that. And that's cool. I never had that before. I was always reliant on somebody else's paycheck. And so nobody can take that from me. It's an education that I learned from my lifetime and I can make millions of dollars using it going forward. I think that that's an outstanding answer and I don't think that was a ramble at all. That was very well said and very relevant. There's uh, again, a Every time I open that up, there's like, I, I have a plan for what I want to talk about. And then you bring up like 20 other things that I'm like, well, now I want to go down those paths and stuff. So um, one of the things I definitely want to push is that I think that that's great advice of finding somebody you connect with. And I, I find a lot of parallels to probably what anybody's passionate about, but I'm, I'm really big on jujitsu. So um, some of my friends are always asking me about, hey, you know, getting into business and other ones are saying, hey, I want to get healthy. What do you think about jujitsu and where should I go? And I gave very similar advice of like, hey, you're in an area that there's seven really great schools. If I were you, I'd take two weeks at every one of them and find out which one feels like home to you, who the people there will relate to, who's instructing in a way that, that you're taking that information, like a place you want to be, because that environment and stuff, they're all good. They're all going to give you good information. They're all going to help you get better. But what's the place that's going to make you literally want to be there every day and stick with it and take it for the next 10, 15 years of Black Belt? Because it's a commitment. So I think the same thing with the real estate stuff, the mentors, there's a lot of great mentors out there, but who do you get the information from? And, you know, paralleling that as well is I go and I take all these courses and I, I go all over the country learning from new real estate people. And I go all over the country when I'm in a city for real estate and I find a gym that I can go learn from a, a top level jiu-jitsu guy. And one of the things I hear across the board is teach everything, learn nothing. So it's like, you know what? I can show you 50 moves, but you're going to walk out of here and not remember what I showed you. If I can give you one thing to put into your game or your business, that's going to help you that you're going to remember and implement and will help bring you to another level. It was worth it. And I think that that's where people go. That was a waste of money because they come in, you teach them all these things and then they go and they do nothing because of that. But I have the same outlook as you. If I can leave there and take one thing from that jujitsu lesson, one thing from that podcast, one thing from that mastermind, that's going to help me that quarter double or triple my income. It was worth it. And now you have that in your tool belt forever. I think that's a hundred percent accurate advice. And I love it. And again, it's a mindset. You can look at it and go, I knew 99% of the stuff that got taught, but you could say, I just took 1% of that and I'm going to make that a hundred percent better in my business. And uh, I think that's a great thing. So I, I did, I was going to bring it up later, but since we're talking about it, masterminds are definitely a thing that when you talk to some people about it, they they oh, I'm not going to pay $25,000, $30,000 for that. But I mean, I'm finding myself paying more money than ever for masterminds and groups and help and things like that. And just the level of people and information and just raising the bar to a higher level and being around key players that hold you accountable for stuff. Like 
I was talking about even this. I was like, you know what? I, I made a commitment to some other guys I'm going to mastermind with, and I'm going to double or triple down on podcasts and YouTube content and put myself out there on social media. And I feel like an idiot doing it. It's embarrassing. I don't want to put my face out all over there. But I also know that I'm not going to be the guy on Wednesday that gets back on the call with all the other mastermind guys. And I'm the one who didn't do what I say I was going to do. So um, being somebody who owns one now, talk about how that's helped you and just some of the things that being part of a mastermind has really personally and professionally uh, helped you up your game. Yeah. Uh, so I, w- I want to go real quick. You mentioned something about jujitsu. So I, you know, I think the comparison to business and athletics is, is very strong. So a lot of the people that I see, it's about like competing at, at some sort of level. Like uh, I see that's where very successful entrepreneurs and very successful athletes and things like that come from. I, uh, I, I'm sure you probably know Jocko Willink. He wrote a book called Extreme Ownership. Yeah, so he spoke at my event last October at, uh, at what we call Flip Hacking Live. And I got to spend a lot of time with him that, that day and that week with him and his team and his staff. And they came in and did some workshops with us and things because that book has changed my life completely. So, uh, and he's, you know, like his level of uh, jujitsu. Um, the, the thing, so there's this concept in karate called uh, shuhari. And it's, it's like an old, uh, like Taekwondo type concept from, um, I started studying this when somebody mentioned it to me. There's a, one, of my, one of my business coaches um, we run on EOS uh, from Traction, but he he mentioned this shuhari concept, and it's it breaks down into the shu phase, the ha phase, and the re phase. The shu phase being like the white belt, the uh, ha phase being the the middle belts, and the re phase being like the black belt or the sensei. And so what it talks about is like doing the basics just over and over and over again in that shu phase, that white belt. It's like like you're talking about. You can learn a bunch of the the moves that are like way down the line that are that are um, what, what the sensei knows and they're, they're kind of like freestyle almost. Or you just learn how to like punch over and over and over again, like thousands of times. There's a concept of like 10,000 hours that a lot of people talk about. You've got to do things for 10,000 hours before you get them. And so we lose that a lot in this, sh- the shoe phase is just like follow the leader. And that's, in, it, and I'll bring this back to the mastermind, I promise. But that's what I was doing in the beginning is like in the mastermind group, I had no idea what I was doing. The sensei, the, the leaders in the mastermind group were already black belts, right? But I can't go learn the black belt stuff in the beginning. I had to learn the white belt stuff. And then I had to do that over and over and over again until I understood it and I got it. And if, if he told me to do something, like there's no talking back to the sensei. Like the sensei tells you to, like, that's what you're doing today. You're not going, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like I want to do some roundhouse kicks or I want to do this or, I, you know. No, no, we're doing this and we're going to do it over and over. I watched my son. My son's five years old. He goes to karate now. I never did karate when I was growing up. I was a soccer player, wrestler, baseball, that kind of stuff. But I see him do this and they're just kicking over and over and over. And they're learning discipline and they're learning mindset and they're learning how to be nice to each other, be nice to your parents. They're learning that skill that they need to be able to develop into that. But without the basics and the foundation, nothing else matters. So all those other things you're talking about, learning 99 moves, that's what causes confusion. Come back to the basics. And that's what I learned in the mastermind group was it, it's not necessarily all about the skills that we get. It's about the mindset and what we believe is possible. Because the looking back five years ago, when I joined and, and I started my business, like I, it, guys, I was doing one house a year. I had no idea what I was doing. I did 67 houses the first year, something like that, 67 to 70. And that the first four and a half months, I, it, I didn't do a single deal. So the last like, you know, seven and a half months of the year, we did almost 10 deals a month on average. It was amazing to see that. And 
but I couldn't do that if I didn't believe that I could. And before I got in there, I couldn't believe that I could. I've never seen anybody do it, all these things. So as you go through these phases, the Shuhari concept, and I encourage all of you guys to go check it out. It's really fascinating stuff. That ha phase is like, okay, now you're still doing the basics, but you're also doing some more advanced techniques. And then when you get to the re-phase, you become the black belt. You can start eclipsing the sensei. You can start doing more than what was taught to you because you could have the skills and the ability and all those things to become like a, a better leader or a bigger leader than that, that last sensei. You can start uh, innovating. You can start making changes. You can start making adjustments, start creating your own moves or creating your own strategies or techniques and things like that. And that's, that's kind of what has, I've evolved into. But to take it back full circle, you can't forget about the basics. Like a lot of times the people who, are, who think that they know everything and they have everything and they're in the black belt phase, they forget about all the basics in the white belt phase and building out the foundation. So that's for me, the mastermind, that's the one thing that I got. I stood next to somebody who looked like me, talked like me, act like me. He was significantly, they were all significantly taller than me. I'm actually very short, I'm like five, six. So I'm, I'm, I'm a wrestler, I'm a wrestler. I've been to a couple of jujitsu gyms. Uh, I was a, a little guy, um, you know, my whole life. So, but they, they showed me that anybody can do it. Like anybody can do this. And the, the problem that I have a lot of times when somebody comes up to me at an event that I speak at or something, they're like, I just can't relate to you. You guys are doing, you've, for the last three years, you've done over 150 deals, multiple millions of dollars in profit. I can't relate. I say, you know what? I couldn't either. Like I, I couldn't until I met that person, I sat down with them and I wouldn't even be able to tell if I was sitting next to them on an airplane, whether they had $50 in their bank account or they had $50 million in their bank account because they're just people just like me you see it's possible, you understand that it's possible. And then it's just about doing the things, doing that, that shoe stuff, that, those white belt things and being like committing to it, putting in the time and being dedicated to it. So the mastermind group for me is exactly what you said. It's accountability, it's community, and it's this like uh, enhanced opportunity. It's like this big opportunity that opens up to us. So that's kind of the three things to me that I get out of my mastermind group and that I want to put into our clients and our people that come in is show them that there's more out there. There's a bigger things possible. We hold them accountable and they should be holding themselves accountable, but we're there, we're there to help. So we run small group accountability every quarter that we have small, like five, six people that meet every week, just like you're talking about. Yeah, we have a weekly session and we have a big group, but we meet in small groups for the people that, that want to do it. And then we have this great community, this tribe of people that lift you up when you're down and they share their wins and they share their struggles and they're open and honest and upfront and that's what it takes. It's not being fake. It's not, uh, and you know, we talked about who to follow. Like for me, there, we, we're not perfect for everybody. Your mastermind group's not perfect for everybody. You got to find the people that you want to be a part of. Like we, we have, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of Christians in our group, a lot of believers in faith and it's very faith-based. There's a lot of things that we do around that. And so there's a, there's family, like very family oriented. A lot of people have, it's not flashy. It's not Rolls Royces and Lamborghinis and, and uh, that kind of stuff, like it's just it's about people helping other people. So that's anyway. That's I think that that Shuhari that opened my mind to when I when I heard that and I started studying it and digging into it. That that's really what I got. Like I was looking for the silver bullet. When you come into these things, you're looking for like just tell me the one thing that will make me a million dollars. It just doesn't exist, man. It does not exist. And when you finally realize that that you just need to change your mindset, you have to have the epiphany that you can do it, and anything's possible. Um, I think that's really where you go in a, in a mastermind group. I get a lot of questions from people on uh, wanting to pick my brain, wanting to ask me about 
what I do, how do I do it, all kinds of things across the spectrum. One of the things I try and answer back with is there's a few different ways that we can work together. People can either um, participate by being a buyer, being a seller, or being a partner, and that's really the best way to learn. So if people have questions that have reached out to me, the best thing to do is jump on www.nicknicknick.com. And you can schedule a consultation if you're looking to sell properties, buy part properties, partner on some deals, or just get a general consultation to see where we can even fit in and where we can do business together on any level. There's options for that to set some stuff up. So please visit www.nicknicknick.com to buy, to sell, or to partner on real estate deals or opportunities. That is the place to go. That is the best way to start making money and learning the process. That's a great answer. And um, I don't know if you know who Matt the Terracera is. He's a... Uh former UFC champion, knocked out George St. Pierre to win the, the welterweight title. But um, he's a world-class jiu-jitsu black belt. And um, he always refers to us as the five, six, and under club. He's always like, no, the short guys were five, six, and dynamite. So welcome to the five, six, and under club of dynamite. So, you know, I know the, the wrestler, anytime you come down, Matt Serra always welcomes the five, six, and under guys. So I feel you. I love it. I'm right there with you. But world champion, man. So um, but a couple of things you said I think are awesome. First of all, Jocko is amazing. I can never get enough of listening to his stuff. That guy's just a, he's a tank and he's an inspiration. And just that whole philosophy of just own it. I like, sometimes I start to find myself pointing blame or doing stuff or not taking accountability. And I'm like, you know what? Freaking good. Own it. Like, so that's helped me a lot too. But you said something that really reminded me of one of the foundations that really, I think the thing that made me go, I can do this was exactly like you said, I was having a conversation with the guy that had a hat on t-shirt, jean shirts, and a wallet chain. It looked like he should have been doing security for the event that I was at. And then he went on stage and got an event for making $2 million. And I went, that guy made $2 million. I, that guy's normal. Like I can touch him. I can see him. He's not like this. Uh, he's a normal person. And then just realizing that normal people that you talk to every day are millionaires. It's like, they're not these big, scary things. And one of the, my favorite quotes is how you do anything is how you do everything. So you have some of the characteristics that are like the main traits that I'm always like, these types of people, engineers, military, and wrestlers understand how to follow systems and follow processes. And also, you're not afraid to put the hard work in. And when you're in a tough spot, you're going to fight to get out. And I think having that stuff and that belief and that, that work ethic and that fight is, is such a huge thing for gearing up and getting to the next level. And that's really what it comes down to is you get in, you get your butt kicked, you show up the next day, and you just follow the system on leaders and things like that. And uh, I think all the things you said there were, were just very key and very crucial for making you believe it. And that... That mindset, people, I just had another podcast about the same thing. And this guy's doing a $110 million deal. And he's like, it's it's a mindset thing. And, and when people go, well, how did you get that wealthy? How'd you get that, that successful? He said, the first thing you need to do is get your mindset right. And they go, I don't want to hear that crap. It's like, okay, well, the people that want to discount that need it the most. So um, have you always been strong-minded like that? Or was that something that you just developed? Because, I mean, and I'm sure you have to always work it like a muscle, but it sounds like you're not ever taking the easy way out or shine away from hard work and anything you've done yeah i think i've always i've always been like a like a type a personality right i want to win at everything and i look at business and money it's it's not that i i really love money i'm, I'm pretty cheap actually i don't really care about it um but i and, and that's why it was really hard to spend twenty five thousand dollars on a mastermind group when i was wasn't even buying a book at the library right and so i but i feel like it was is always kind of like a scoreboard right so as an athlete like like when you when you play small in athletics and you play small in business then 
that's where you're going to end up. Like if it, for me, I've always been competitive and driven. So I think my, the mindset, the word mindset, I feel like is, it's almost like a cliche. Now the, the problem people, people, like you said, I don't want to hear that stuff. Like I, I want the, I want the secrets. Like that is the secret. And I didn't, I don't necessarily know that I was always like, I would, I would put the good stuff in. Like I wasn't wasting a lot of time, like watching TV or you know, doing nothing or being lazy. I feel like, you know, we all have these core values that are instilled in us and that we are. Um, and I think that's, that's probably the start to all this is to figure out where you land on that. Cause then you can build wherever you're going to go or what you're going to do around that. And so that's like the foundation. And I didn't realize that for a few years. And, you know, we had some of the wrong people in the company because of that. Um, I didn't, I didn't necessarily uh, like define the core values that I have and I have them now, in fact. Uh, so I'll label them. My extreme ownership is, is one that we added about a year and a half ago when, I really dug into that book and we couldn't figure out what was happening inside of our company a little bit. We had the people that were, that had all the other four, but there was just something missing. And that was it. It was this ownership piece that my COO and myself both have in spades that we couldn't really place on some of our, our, our uh, employees and figure out what it was. Uh, so then stewardship, hardworking, integrity, and personal pre professional development. So those are my five and anybody that's around me that want, like in the mastermind group in any of my companies wants to be on staff wants to work with us even our vendors our clients our our uh, contractors all that stuff I got to see that like I've got to see that they have that um, otherwise we're not going to be a good fit together so I think for me like the mindset piece like I've been developing this a lot more recently but I would always read books and I would want to be the, the top person I feel I feel like when you're competitive and you want to win um, a lot of you'll study you'll, you'll figure it out. Like when I was wrestling, I would look at the moves that like, why did I lose? I wouldn't like say, Oh, I stink or I'm not good. I'd be like, how can I get better? Like, how can I fix this? And believe me, it was not, wasn't always like that. Like you struggle when I was a kid, it was, I'm get down on myself or we, or my soccer team's not that good. What's happening. I didn't make the team, right. I didn't make the Olympic team. Uh, I didn't do all these things that I was trying to do, but, um, you hit a certain point, you start seeing success and success breeds more success. So um, I think I think for everybody, everybody's a little bit different when it comes to all of this stuff, but getting your mind right, just like it's 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 anything. I love the quote you, you mentioned. Um, there's a great uh, Admiral uh, McRaven is a, a Navy SEAL. It says, uh, the, the make your bed speech that he did at a commencement. It's I phenomenal. Watch, it's I just once a week, literally. I watch it once oh. a week. Perfect. Like we should, right? We should be watching these motivational things. Um, I think it was Zig Ziglar. He's got a he's got a quote, and I always butcher it. But it's it's like it's like like motivation is like bathing. Like we we need it daily, is what he talks about. Like it, it goes away. So like you can't go to an event once a year, get motivated for the whole year. You've got to put in the time and and really say like, if you want this, you have to want it. So like my three steps that I talk to people is like number one, you have to have a deeply rooted why. You have to have a reason to do this. If you have a plan A, a plan B, a plan C, and a plan D, and you just want to dip your toe in and check it out, when things get hard, like right now, we're recording this in a time where it's a challenge, right? You're probably going to say, ah, this doesn't feel that good. I'm just going to go back to my full-time job, or I'm going to go back. I'm just going to quit. I'm going to stop. I'm going to do something else. It just doesn't feel good. And it could have happened to you in sports. It could, have, And it doesn't make you a quitter. It makes you a stopper. So the, the, the thing becomes is like, what is your why? Like, do you really want this? Because if you really want it, you'll you'll go through pain to get to the pleasure right you'll you'll go through that you'll have to endure lots of different things to get where you want to go and if you don't have that deeply rooted why you might as well just stop before you start and and just do something that you are passionate about like you have to have passion 
about something and then find out who you are. So like what drives you? What are your core values? Who are you like, who do you want to become? Like, are you really detailed? Are you not detailed? Are you really driven? Are you not driven? Are you uh, really like, do you love talking to people and spending time with them? Or do you not? There's a ton, like we use personality profiling for this. It's great for it to figure out who you are. I've learned a lot about who I am the last five years. And I've never known myself the way that I do now in the past. And then your core values, build them out, define them, live by them, eat, breathe, and sleep them. Make sure everybody knows what they are. And like, I, you could come up to me on the street and be like, I, I, I would love to go over to my neighbor that just moves in next door and say, hey, what are your core values? I want to compare them to mine and see if we should be friends. You know, Because we're going to have a deeply rooted connection if we have you know, similar core values or they're, they're aligned. Um, now, if you don't have integrity, then I'm not going to be friends with you. It's just not going to, it's just not going to work out for us, you know? And if you don't have personal and professional development, I'm sure that we can spend time together and do those things. But like, I'm going to be going to this conference and I'm going to be spending money on this stuff and I'll be buying these books and I'm going to be reading and I'm going to be educating myself. And I really just don't want to kind of go over to your house and hang out on the couch or just do nothing. Like I, I want to better myself. I want to figure out how to grow. And uh, I'm sure we could do that a little bit, but my real good, like true friends are like, yeah, let's go there. I want to go to that event with you. Like I want to spend time. Let's, and we're comparing notes and we're talking about it. Say like, man, how can we do, be better? How can we work together? How can we do those things? So I think those are the big things for me is doing all those things, like the deep rooted why, the, the who you are, like really determine who you are. Because a lot of people think they know themselves, but they, they probably don't, or they're afraid. And it's okay. You, you got to lean into that. Like that's who you are. That's your character traits. You were born with it. Probably since you became a teenager, this was poured into you. Very, very challenging to change that stuff. So just own it and accept it and say, how can I use this as my superpower? I love that. That superpower. I, I know, know John Martinez, he talks about that a lot too. Like what's your superpower? And just get to know yourself. It's all, you know, these are the, these are the things that I, the more successful people I talk to, that's the same answer all the time. It's, it's those things about core values, accountability, you know, hard work and, and mindset. And that's the stuff that people that are starting out want to ignore, but everybody else knows that regardless of what you're going to do, that's what's going to drive you to success because everybody's going to have those down days. Like how do you get over them? How do you get back on the mat the next day? Um, on, the, on the technical side of it, um, I'm always interested because there's definitely people that reach out that listen to this podcast that are trying to get into just building a business, especially at a time like this when they're really looking for some sort of second income or something because they lost their jobs. Um, so some advice that you would give for somebody that's looking to start out now, what would that be for kind of gearing up, picking a strategy or, or just some, some basic one-on-one stuff? And then I'm also really interested to hear what you would say to somebody who's an operator right now that is doing things themselves, that's looking to scale their, scale their business from maybe a couple of deals a month to hundreds of deals a year. Yeah. So uh, there's a quote that you, you mentioned success. So success leaves clues is, is I love this. Like, of course it does. Like pay attention, like open your eyes and pay attention. And when you hear successful people, you hear the same thing over and over and over again, which is, is really cool. It's just the way that they think it is the mindset piece and um, and they'll never be stopped again. So um, it's, I like being, uh, you know, it's like an awakening that you have and a realization that hey, I can do this. Like, take it all. I'm ready to go. Just, um, I, I think there's, so this is kind of two questions there, right? This, the people who are starting out and people who are already running a business who are looking to grow and scale. Um, like right now I look at maybe like three different companies in the real estate world. You have the people who have a big business, a bunch of cash reserves, solid, strong foundation. They've been doing this for a while. In my case, we haven't been doing it for a while, but we're in like five years, been doing it really high volume for three years and been building my team. And so this hit me at a good time. If this hit me, I don't know, like 
I'd say two and a half, three years ago, I would be in like just growth mode where I was using a lot of pouring a lot of the money back in. Um, and it just was this light switch changes and I would have been hurt probably or in a, in a tougher position, I should say. Um, so those people I think are, are in a good position right now to you know, pay their employees, pay their staff, maybe continue to do some marketing. Uh, we're, we're, right now we're continuing to market. We're doing business as usual for now uh, as we uh, collect data. So I'm, a, I'm an engineer. I like data right now. I don't see any data to say why I shouldn't be loading up my database with potential sellers when the light switch turns back on in a few months. So, uh, but if we do, we'll make changes. I'm looking at it a lot more clearly. Uh, the, the person who's just starting out, I think you have a great ch- opportunity here to jump in to something like this, whether it's real estate or the stock market or whatever. But like, st- think about the stock market. Like, when's the best time to be 18 years old and jumping the stock market? It's like probably like last this Monday <laughs> when it was down below 20,000 and the Dow is like, I don't know, it's like 18,000 or something. It's like, that's the best time because now you've got all this growth potential in the future. And I, I look at the same thing, like a lot of the people that have made a lot of money in real estate are probably jumping in right after a recession or right after a crash. Like you, you and I were talking about the last downturn in, um, in the real estate market. The people, a lot of investors I know that are wealthy and doing really well, they started in like 2009. You know, that's kind of when they jumped in or maybe 2010 as it was starting to come back up. So and you've got, we've got a lot of time to kind of study and learn. So what would I do if I was just getting going? Um, I, would, I would do the things that I just talked about. I would like really figure out my why and figure out, is this something I want to do? Because just because it, there might be an opportunity now to get started doesn't mean I actually want to do it or it fits my personality or who I am or what, what it is. And then figure out who I am, like uh, really dive into that and say who I am, build out the core values and then start like looking for people like there's looking for people to follow. Don't just like go grasp everything out there. Don't follow 20, 30 different people. And because it's all conflicting information. And most of the times I'll be very careful. Like people are usually selling stuff. Like if you go to 10 different podcasts, 20 different podcasts, a bunch of webinars, all these things, like they're selling stuff. Like that's just how it works. Okay. And so sometimes you don't see the full picture. You don't see everything that goes on. If somebody's talking about a Facebook deal that they did, where they made $120,000 on a, a wholesale deal that they did on Facebook, um, they're probably not telling the whole story. And at the end, they're gonna offer something, a, a Facebook ad course to buy. And it, like, it could be right, but I would say just really try to find out who those people are and what they're doing. And I'm not just bashing on Facebook. I mean, it really just, it happens all over. Like really find somebody who's authentic, genuine, and, and somebody that you believe in and you'll follow. Uh, because there's a lot of, random stuff out there. So if I'm just getting started, that's what I'm probably doing. I'm probably trying to find my niche. So, and you don't have to start in wholesaling if you want to be an apartment investor, go be an apartment investor. So, but that's where the, who you are and your why becomes really strong. Do you want to be a landlord? Like, do you really love to, to deal with tenants? Do you really love, if you want to be a flipper, do you love retail buyers? Do you like dealing with real estate agents? Do you like dealing with contractors? Are you systems-based and, and project-based? If you're a wholesaler, do you really love the art of sales and marketing? And then the operational side on the back end of doing a little bit of all of it, but you don't like the retail stuff. You don't want to deal with retail buyers and contractors and all that stuff. You want to deal with business-to-business sales and the business-to-customer sales on the front end and the marketing side of things. And so and maybe you want to be an apartment investor and you want to syndicate, you want to raise a bunch of money. That's what you're excited about. You love talking about money and dealing with people that have a bunch of money in Wall Street. You want to syndicate deals and raise capital. So there's lots of different things. Maybe you want to be a real estate agent. Maybe you just want to be a monster mega real estate agent. You can make a ton of money as an agent. There's lots of things to do in niches. But I think like my big push to people a lot of times is like, don't 
you don't have to start wholesaling to grow into be a apartment investor. Like, go learn that from the start. Like, figure out what you want to do. Dive into that and say, that's my niche. That, that's, that, that's where the who you are. Like, what's your personality? And then you can define who you want to be as a real estate uh, investor based on that. And say, I have these skills. Maybe you have like sales skills like crazy. And you're just an awesome salesperson. Then wholesaling would be a great place for you. But may, apartment investing could be too. And maybe you just want to go big out the gate. So I see some of that stuff. So dive into that. I'd say get some training, like learn from stuff. It can be free training. It can be like small paid courses. But my biggest thing is like, don't be afraid to spend a little bit of money and look at it as an investment in yourself. Don't look at it as an expense. That's where your mindset has to change. I'm investing in myself and it's an opportunity. And then I think the, the people, if you're in the middle and you're listening and you're in growth mode and you don't have a lot of capital reserves and you're, 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 this is a time where you're, you're feeling the pressure right now. And I feel for you. I do. I've been there. I've been there where it's not just, uh, it's not a market change. It's not a light switch changing, but it's the fact that my cash flow is not very good. I'm in this roller coaster. Um, I've got staff, I've got expenses, and my margins just aren't as high as they should be. And I've been, I've been in that. I've been in that squeeze. And you got to think about you. You got to think about you. You got to think about your business and you'll do the right thing. But don't feel like you're responsible to everybody else. Don't do it. Like the business has to remain healthy. If your business doesn't remain healthy, those people will have no jobs anyway. So whether it's now or whether it's in three months, but where are you going to be financially? Because I was, you got like, you're pouring your own money in, and blood, sweat and tears or other people's money into this business and growing it. So just make the best decisions that you can. Um, don't get into that analysis paralysis and keep pushing. Like uh, you'll come out of the backside of this and those that come out of the back of anything will be bigger and stronger and better than they were before. And it's an experience. Like we're all going on a journey. So when I look back, it's like, man, I wish I figured out as an entrepreneur when I was 18. I didn't go to college and I did all that stuff, but I wouldn't have my three beautiful kids right now. I wouldn't have met my wife in England. I wouldn't have done all the things that I got to do. And it's all my journey. Like I needed all those things. Like when I look back, it, there was a reason that this, this is all by design. I'm fully believe that everything that happens to us is by design and we, we're a catalyst in it all, but you know, we're just a part of it. So don't, your journey is building you to where you are. You might not be in the place that you thought you should be right now, but you're getting there. You just don't know you're there yet. You'll be there soon. And you'll look back and say, oh my gosh, like I can see why I had to go through that challenge or that pain or that struggle. Like I see why I had to do that. We've gone through so much pain and so much struggle in my family. I have a, a son who's had four open heart surgeries the first six months of his life, my middle son. And when I look back, I could have said like, why me, why me, why me? Like why us? What's going on? But I look back, I say, I needed that. Like I needed the time to slow down. I needed to become less selfish. I needed to really care. I needed to develop my, that was a test and a struggle for us, me, my family, everything. Like we do, all that stuff happens for a reason. We have a little boy who's just so happy. Like he never cries. He doesn't cry because we've cried all the tears that are possible mm -hmm. to cry for him. It's, it's just amazing to see all this. So like you're going through something. There's, it's a journey. There's a reason it's all heading it. And everything that's going on right now, like you're in some place, just make the best decisions that you can for you and your family, your business right now. And if you want to jump in, jump in. Like nothing should stop you from jumping in and going. Nothing should, but be calculated, be smart. Like li listen to, listen to the people that you want to follow. That's like my biggest takeaway from everything that I've learned is I pick, I've been very good at picking my mentors and it's because I've been attracted to them based on my core values and core beliefs. And they've, I've shared the same ones with them. So of course they're going to lead me in the direction that I want to go because they're, we're like-minded people. So hopefully that answered your question. Great answer. And again, I think people make the, 
a, a weird distinction that because you're doing business, it's a different type of relationship than a personal relationship. And I tell everybody, if you go out on a date with somebody and you guys don't like the same movies, you don't have the same sense of humor, you're not communicating well, you don't believe in the same stuff, you're not on the same path, you want to have kids, they don't, you smoke, they don't, you're not going to go get married to them, hopefully, I mean, I guess people do, but yeah, it's not a personal relationship, but it's a business relationship, and a lot of those same things apply, that there could be three people that all have great info and all are very successful, but which one are you going to have the best experience learning from? It's going to be the person that, just like a personal relationship, you get along with, you communicate with, they're teaching in a way that you can soak in that information, they have the same values, they're on the same mission as you, and I think people discount that with business, and that's why, like on the fix and flip side, I see it all the time, you know, hey, this guy's a great contractor, yeah, but you and him, you guys butt mm -hmm. head, you don't have the same core values, you don't communicate the same way, that's why you had a good project, and now you lost money on it, it was because of that communication, whereas, you know, this other guy, the, the same way that you feel like you've known him for 10 years, and you're finishing each other's sentences, that's the person you're going to have a better business relationship, just like it's the same way you would have a better personal relationship with that person, you know? So I think that those are, are huge pieces that, again, they're, they're simplistic in, in thought, but people discount them and they just don't do them. And I think it makes all the difference in the world. And um, one of the things you touched on that I think is super important is focus. And, and this has been one of my biggest problems because I'm the type of person who, you know, shiny toy syndrome, I'm, I'm all over the place and, you know, I'm interviewing people. So I'll interview a multifamily guy before you. And I'm like, I'm going to go buy a thousand units. And then I talk to you and it's like, no, 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 I'm going to go. So finding out what to focus on. And my partner, Nicole, she's helped me a lot with, with really having that. But I just finished reading, um, I think it's the power of focus and the, the opening page is chase two rabbits, catch none. So I'm really trying to focus on that. And I think back to what you were saying for somebody getting started, don't try and do wholesale and fix and flip and wholesale and apartment investing and operating and syndicate because you're going to do nothing or you're not going to do any of them well. Pick a strategy, learn it well, and focus on that. And you can always switch it and adjust it. But how did you do that? Because it looks like a lot of your core business right now is wholesaling and flipping in Nashville and in Florida. Did you struggle with that? And how did you come up with um, a focus for what your business was going to be? Because it, I, and correct me if I'm wrong, but was that part of what helped you go from doing some deals to doing a ton of deals by really focusing down and hunkering down on what your business, your business is going to focus on? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm a deal junkie. Uh, I really, I, if it was left to my devices, I would do all kinds of stuff. Like I, I would, I still, ha I still struggle with that. The word no basically did not exist until I got my mind right. I just wouldn't say no to anything. It's like, yeah, let's see how, how can we do that? How can I do that? And, and same thing for a lot of my time in my life. I would say yes to, oh, you want to, you want to get on a call? Yeah, I can do that. You want to do this? Like I, I'm kind of built to serve like that's, and that's okay for a lot of us. But the, the saying no thing to, to deals was very challenging. I still, in fact, my COO and I last week were just talking about a piece of land that I bought in 2015 that the company still owns. He's like, what is this? I said, ah, I was like flipping land in 2015 and I was flipping houses and I was trying to wholesale and I was marketing this way and that way. And then there was this multifamily deal that I bought in, in this area. And um, I got this commercial building over here that I forgot to tell you about. So like all of this stuff, right? These visionaries, a lot of times it's the visionaries. It's the people who don't have a lot of detail. They delegate stuff, but they're really driven and uh, have no patience. They are just saying like yes to everything. So my biggest thing that, that helped me was to really define it. So using this 
this entrepreneurial operating system. So EOS, if you, there's a book called Traction by Gino Wickman that uh, we operate our company off of EOS. And there's a core focus that they talk about in there. So you build out the core focus of your company. And what that means is if anything comes to you and it doesn't fit into that core focus definition, then the answer is no. And the answer might not be no to the deal. It's just not in this company. So that's why visionaries might own 10 or 20 or 30 different companies. Like I think Tony Robbins owns like 150 companies or something. And it's just, you're putting things into the right bucket. And so we, I also really define whole, a, lot of, a lot of flippers and wholesalers do try to do both. And the problem that you see is you'll, you'll do something really well and it'll typically fund the problems that you have and all the other things that you do. And you'll end up either breaking even or actually losing money. And we saw that. We tried to be wholesalers and flippers, kind of this hybrid. And we still do. We do about 80% wholesale, about 20% flip. But we're starting to flip a lot less or defining that process and making it look a certain way because our company was designed for speed and to be wholesalers. The whole back end was for that. And then we got to the project management side. We've got 14 people that are dealing with the wholesale operation and one that's on the project management side and nobody's holding that person accountable because we're all paying attention over here. It just stuff got lost. And we actually have been selling out all our inventory and not buying new, new like actual fix up and flips, which is why I say I'm actually in an interesting position right now where we have a lot of cash in the bank where we didn't go buy a bunch more houses like we would have normally just kept a bunch of inventory and make sure the inventory is moving. We just happened, that just happened to happen. It wasn't, not, I'm not a genius by any means of predicting a actual event that could cause this. So, um, but we, we were in a good position because of that, fortunately. So I, I find that's the struggle that most like entrepreneurs have. An entrepreneur is like a visionary. They're driven. There's a book that the newest book that Gino Wickman wrote called entrepreneurial leap. So I just interviewed him on my podcast and he, we, him and I talked about this. We're actually doing a series right now on are you an entrepreneur and going through these six characteristic traits that he talks about. And I'll see if I can hit them all. Uh, it's, it's visionary, it's driven, passionate, problem solver, risk taker, and oh man, there's one more. Uh, but like what, what, he, what he says is you've got to have all six of these things. And they've got to be characteristic traits, like traits like we were talking about, like they're in you to be a true, big, like visionary entrepreneur. And so they struggle with that stuff because visionary can see around the corner. They can see in the future. They can see they want to do lots of things. They say yes to almost everything. They need a filter and they're not detailed. And so then you've got the risk taker. You've got the problem solver. You've got all these, all these different traits that they're, they're willing to take the risk. They're like, yeah, let's do it. I'll do 10, 20 different things. So I think you have to find your focus. And then, like you said, and then also find somebody else that can help you say no. Like get somebody on your team. If you can't, if you can't do that, find that person who can. So for me, like my COO is my filter. So as I bring things in, he's the guy who's like, he's the break is what I talk about. Like I'm the gas and he's the break. He's got to step on it a little bit every night or tap it or, or challenge me because otherwise I'll run, I'll run everybody around like, like chickens with their head covered. We'll just be doing all kinds of stuff. Like, and exactly like you said, when you chase two rabbits, you catch none. I love that quote too. It's like, you got to focus. And so when we really focused and dug in, that's when we became, that we had the best quarter we've ever had in Q1 of 2020, because we focused on our wholesaling operation and just like blew it out of the water. And this past month, March is our best, best month by like a hundred thousand dollars. It's just massive, uh, massive changes because we built out the right foundation, built out the right team around that. And now we we're all rowing in the same direction. That is outstanding, man. And you, you literally use the same version. So it's so funny because 
I, I feel very connected with you because it's, it's the same thing. I had to get my partner and she's always like battling with me and I have to run stuff. I'm going to do this. And she's like, I'm going to kill you. And then she has to be my break and slow me down. And I don't like hearing it at first. And I get all upset. And then an hour later, I'm like, you know what? You're right. And she's really helped me kind of beat that out of me, but it still comes up and I can see her getting nuts about it. But I think everybody needs that. It's like you said, a, a good relationship has a gas and a break because without me bringing those ideas and getting things moving, things, things don't go in motion, but without her nerfing me a little bit, I'd be all over the place. You know, people wouldn't want to work with me because it'd be all scattered and stuff like that. And, you know, I, I think that, that you're, you're hundred percent right. I love that. And Traction's an amazing book. Anybody that hasn't read it, even, even silly little things like saying no, I've been really trying to use the Calendly app. I don't know if you use it at all, but um, Calendly, E-A-L-E-N-D-L-Y. And I even use it with my friends because like yesterday, one of my buddies wanted to talk to me, but he's one of my private lenders and he wanted to talk about some other stuff. And he's like, hey, when can you talk? And the old me would have been, ah, call me around three. And then he misses the three and then we play phone tag. And I don't even really know what we're going to talk about. Now I, I preset my schedule for the day around when I'm doing podcasts, when I want to take some time off, when I'm going to have a workout or whatever it is. And you can set a 15 minute time. And that's what I've been doing with everybody is, hey, if you want to talk, this is my availability. And if there's no availability that day, then I can't talk that day. And if you do want to talk, you're going to have to put in what we want to talk about. So I know that there's some sort of agenda and you know that you have a time to get it out. So we're not just wasting time before we ever get into it. And that's helped me become more efficient. And it's actually held me more accountable too, because now when somebody wants to talk, we don't not call each other or, oh, I thought you were going to call me. And like, it's, it's helping me set podcasts and set meetings and have conversations, but it also helps me say, no, oh, sorry, I'm booked up for the day. No, you know, when that, you can preset all that stuff and they're like, I don't want more than four meetings today. I have four. So we'll talk tomorrow. And just that silly thing. It, it almost, it's like you said, my, my Calendly app has almost been the person who says no for me. So I don't have to be tempted to say yes to everything. So that's just helping. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes you need that like scapegoat, right? You need the, that, that gatekeeper, I call it. So you, you met my assistant, Jen, virtually, right? You're, we're setting this up. So she's the gatekeeper. She says, sorry, he's not available this week or today or tomorrow or any of those things. And really when, when I, so when I, when I got Gino Wickman on, on my podcast, I, he, there's something that came out of this that was amazing. Uh, I reached out to, I, I got connected with him from somebody that like another business acquaintance of mine. And he, his assistant responded and said, he's not available till March. This was in December that we got connected. Four months I had to wait to record an uh, interview with him. So I said to my assistant that, that day in December, I said, hey, we got to get my calendar not available for three or four months. This is amazing. Like how, how do you, because, and then I talked to him. He's like, yeah, I was on vacation for like a month and a half of that. So I couldn't, I didn't do anything for that month and a half. And I was like, okay, so now my mindset changes, right? So how do we get to the point where, you know, you really start to value your time and what's happening, like you said, saying no to things, setting things up. But a lot of times we, we want to say yes until we, one thing that I think might help some of, some of your listeners in saying no, because this is a big thing that struggles and a big thing, focus issue. What I started saying is if I say yes to something, then I'm saying no to something else. So it, whatever is good for you, insert no, what you're saying no to is something that you really love to do. Like uh, for me, it's like spending time with my family. So when I say yes to a podcast or recording or um, so, you know going on somebody else's interview or event that I'm speaking at, I'm saying no to time with my family, and that's my true why, right? To, uh, that I'm doing what I'm doing is to to be with them to and and then also impact. So like, what is that thing that you would you don't want to say no to? 
And if, because then every time you think you say yes, if you think of it that way and you change your mindset, they're saying yes to this, I'm saying no to something that I really love, which because you are, you're, you're, you're trading time, like time, we all have the same 24 hours in a day. So you're, you're robbing from something to say yes to something else. And that, that will probably answer how important is this right now? And that's going to change over time. But right now, how, is, how important is this? So hopefully that helps. I know that helped me a ton when I would say yes to stuff at like seven o'clock at night or eight o'clock at night when me and my wife are supposed to be spending quality time because the kids are in bed, that I'm saying no to that. And when I think of it that way, then I usually say, no, there's another time. And most people totally appreciate that. Now, when I say, hey, I'm sorry, I just can't do that anymore. It's just not, I don't, just don't get on calls. I just can't do it. They say, no, I totally respect that actually. When you fear that they think something differently of you, they actually respect you more for saying no, it seems. Uh, from my experience lately. I completely agree. I, and again, if it's somebody that gets mad at you because you want to spend some time with your family, that's not somebody you want to be talking to anyway, right? Exactly. No, I think that that's great. I actually never even thought about it like that. I think that's a, an amazing way to look at it to take some of that guilt off for people like us that had trouble saying, no, I really appreciate that. And, uh, you know, again, I, I won't take up uh, your, your entire day. This has been great for me, but um, before I let you go, talk about some of the, the stuff you're doing, ways people can find you, I know the podcast, uh, the website, some of the live events, the masterminds, all kinds of different stuff, social media. Yeah, I'll try not to overwhelm everybody. So the, I'd say the best place to find me- is, out there too, so people can click okay. on the show notes. So uh, sevenfigureflipping.com is our just main, that's the company website. We have, like like Nick said, we have some podcasts and things like that. And we do a bunch of events for our for our members. And um, and then we we're, I'm doing this event. It's actually kind of- uh, kind of interesting that we we went down this this rabbit hole a little bit about um, finding your niche because this military event that I put together is uh, we, it was supposed to be in St. Louis May 29th and 30th we had to go virtual because of everything that's happening right now so we just made that decision I think by the time this comes out we'll probably have everything done the landing page changed around and stuff um, but it, it is a, there is a small price for the ticket for the virtual event we're going to throw in some bonuses and some the, video, the recordings and stuff but what I'm doing is I'm bringing all these military members together in, from each niche so it's almost like a real estate investment job fair where we're going to spend time each person is going to talk about who they are, their why, and their core values, and why they think that who they are allows them to be extremely successful in that niche. And so there'll be a wholesaler, there'll be a flipper, there'll be a, a guy who does Airbnb, uh, a landlord, so by, a single family rentals, uh, multifamily uh, syndicators. We'll have a, a jet, a jet, somebody who's teaching people how to vet a general partner as a limited partner in a syndication. So you actually want to be a passive investor, but how to really look into that general partner. And then um, we have fi a financial advisor. We have a, a loan officer that's going to come in and talk about what he does and how he does it. Uh, a real estate agent that has a huge team, like massive team. And these are all military folks. So it's primarily directed towards military people. So we'll talk about the VA loan and how to use that. There's house hacking. There's the Burr strategy that a lot of people talk about. Somebody will be speaking on that. We have 23 speakers that are going to come in and talk about this. And um, so it's over two days. It's a virtual event now. So anybody can attend from anywhere. And uh, I think this is going to be cool. It's, it's really kind of fine. And then we'll also say like, if you resonated with this person, where to go find them and like who to follow. And I, I curated, I basically had a list of one person, uh, pre, they're either active duty right now or previous active duty military people in every niche that I wanted to go get. And the first person said yes. 
So I had like a list of three. I did extra work. I didn't need number two and number three because everybody said, yeah, I'm in. And they were even all buying tickets and traveling out to St. Louis on their own dime because 100% of the money that we raise is going to a veteran charity for this event. So I'm not making money on it. It has nothing to do with me. It's really just kind of uh, community driven. I The way I looked at it was like the field of dreams. Like if we build the event, people will show up. I had no idea. I put a bunch of my money down to... Um, to back it. And fortunately we've gone virtual. So the overhead has gone down a bit, but, um, this is something that I want to do every year, year over year over year, and just build it to something where a lot of people show. So military members, if you're active duty or veteran or reservist or any of those things, um, it's kind of directed towards you, but this is anybody can get value from this event. Uh, the prices are a little bit higher if you're not a military member. Um, but it's, uh, I think it's gonna be a great event. You can go to veteranslive.com. So uh, obviously it was going to be a live event. So veteranslive.com. Um, I think that one's going to be really cool. And then we do an event in Orlando every October, um, for our mastermind group about for wholesalers and flippers primarily, but really anybody in the single family real estate space, we do mindset. We bring in speakers. That's where I brought Jocko last year and his team came in. Jocko did a pr presentation on extreme ownership for an hour, stuck around, took pictures, did all that stuff. It's really cool. Um, and we have a couple other like motivational speakers that come in and then a lot of our members talking about exact strategies and tips and tactics that we use. That's called flip hacking live. So that's in Orlando this October. So a lot of stuff that we do. Um, I don't know, social media, there's seven figure flipping and Bill Allen. You can find, find me on there. Uh, I'm on, I just had to go on Instagram. I don't really know much about it, but I'm trying to figure it out. So that's awesome. Hey, do you know Solomon Floyd? He, he's a, he's a military guy. I just had him on my podcast. I was at a mastermind with him in Maui. He's doing some amazing things with um, military housing and a lot of these tertiary markets. And he's, he's got a fund for military members. He's, he's a really great guy. He's doing really cool things. And I mean, he, he fits a lot of your core values. Like, do you, do you, do you know what market he's doing? Is it, is he uh, doing like housing for uh, homeless vets in Kansas city or anything or Kansas city, do you know where uh, Oklahoma he's in Texas. He's got, um, he was just supposed to actually be out here in Chicago, but because of everything with the viruses, he said he's doing it virtual, but um, just might be a good guy for you to connect with. That sounds like you yeah, know. yeah. I'll link up with him for sure. Uh, I no, I don't know him, but I I bet some of the people that are helping me do there. There, there's a couple of like vets that have communities of uh, of veteran investors and things, and we're doing we're doing something really cool. I would like to share because maybe it'll help other people see what the potential and possibility is um, down in Pensacola. So we do all of our renovation projects primarily are down in Pensacola, Florida. We're also in Chattanooga, Tennessee, uh, Nashville, Huntsville, Bowling Green, Kentucky, um, a couple of areas, like the Southeast areas. And then um, we are, we bought a house a couple, it was about a year and a half ago. And it's just been it's such a challenge to get through this one. It's like a proof of concept for us, but we bought, we bought this house and we're renovating it. We're going to give it away to a, um, uh, a vet. So it's a, a combat wounded veteran or a gold star family. So those are the two people that that qualify. And um, we, it's probably going to be like a $120,000 house, the ARV of about 120. We'll probably have about 65 or 70 grand into it. And we're going to just give it away mortgage free. And so the, the company that we're working with is another uh, nonprofit. And what they do is they, they put the person in the house for three years. They've, my, my concern was I want to do this, but I don't want to vet. I don't want to pick, like, how do you pick the person that gets it? Right. So they have a, a process that does that. And then they put them in the house for three years while they counsel them. And then they deed it over after three years if their finances are right and, and it works well. So um, we're going to, we'll give the house over to this nonprofit when we're done. And then they'll put the, they'll place the person and put them in. We'll have a ceremony. And then we want to do two, two this year, ideally uh, get done two and then five and then 10. So 
my challenge to people who are listening is like, what can you, can you do some of that stuff? Can you do something like you build a business, you, you build this community, you make this, these profits and things like that, but there's gotta be something. So like that, that really drives the why of me and my, my team. So that's part of our why, right? When we talked about this deep rooted why, like if my business shuts down, so does the development of these kind of programs and projects and things that we can do. And so when you can bake that into the sauce and really say, what are you passionate about? What do you really love? So I'm sure this guy, uh, Solomon, has, has got the same kind of thing. He's passionate about this stuff. So he, he will build a bigger business and create more revenue than the next guy because he sees what's possible. And he won't quit because if he quits, what he knows, he's quitting on them too. So I know that we can do this as a community, as a culture, like inside my mastermind group. The reason I wanted to do it is I want to show them that I did it. I want to show them how I did it. I want to show them how they can go do it in their markets. And I don't want to just be doing 10 a year. I want to be doing thousands a year and being the catalyst for that, for other people to say, if he can do it, I can do it. Like I saw a guy renovate a house and give the profits away to this charity, Operation Underground Railroad. And when I saw that, uh, that's when I was like, we can do more than that. Like We don't have to just like renovate and resell the house and give the profits away. Why don't we just figure out how to give the whole house away? How can we do that? So, And then how do we do two? And how do we do five? And how do we do 10? And how do we just do as many as we can. So obviously it's kind of all talk right now, but we have one that should be done in about a month. So I'm excited about that and, and showing people at our event, Flip Hacking Live, and potentially at the veteran, veterans event that it's possible and you can do it too. So hopefully somebody gets motivated from that. Probably the same stuff that Solomon shared with you about some of the things that they're doing, but there's great people out there doing great things. And what, what a lot of people see is like people that make a lot of money or that, that guy had to had to do, what did he have to do to get that? Like the mindset changes when you see the people and meet these people that are just awesome, like go givers, that they're out there changing the world for the better. And just hopefully that motivates, like when you get around those folks, it just motivates me to want to write a million dollar check a year to charity. Like I want to figure out how to do more and more and more. And those are the, those are the people that the reason why we do the things that we do in our groups is because I want to develop that in other people. I want them to, I want to be an example. Like my dad was an example for me. All, all of my mentors and coaches were examples for me. I want to be that same example for my kids in the community. So I think uh, not to, hopefully that didn't sound like braggadocious or anything, but I really want people to say like, there's a, you, you can, you can push yourself to do more than you think that you can do way more. So out there and it's possible. So I'd love to meet that guy because he's probably, he could probably help me. There's probably some resources that we can share and, and figure out how to do a lot more. So that's one of the, that's one of the charities that we're supporting with the veterans event is, um, can, can we, uh, produce a few houses in, in Kansas city for, uh, for veterans, homeless veterans. That's awesome, man. Yeah. I'll shoot you over his contact information for sure. And, and nothing came off braggadocious. You come off very humble, very sincere. And I think the way you talk, it, it really is inspiring, man. You definitely, have found your calling in life, man. And I, it, it shows, you know, I believe in it. You're, you're firing me up to want to go out and do some stuff, man. And uh, I really enjoyed talking to you. I really enjoyed meeting you. You're doing awesome stuff. Uh, the world needs more people like you right now. So I really appreciate you sharing your story and giving our listeners some content. If there's anything I can ever do to help you or help your business, um, I definitely will. Um, I'll buy tickets to your events for sure. It's going to a good cause. I think everybody else should do the same. Um, any final thoughts, Mr. Bill Allen, for anybody listening or just any messages you want to get out? This is, this has really been awesome. I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed this because, you know, it's interesting because I think people probably came, come to podcasts to get like the tips and tricks and tactics and stuff like that. And sometimes you come to one and, and like if one person, I always say this, if one person just needs to hear this message and it changes them, it's worth my time. It's worth your time. It's worth what we do. Right. But 
they probably came to this thinking that, oh, this wholesaler, this flipper is going to tell me like what to market or what to send out. And we talked about mindset and, and, and strategy and, and things like that and how to be a better person. It's a people business. If you can become bigger, better, stronger inside yourself and build that up and understand that, like you will be, trust me, it doesn't matter what you do from there. You'll be successful in any part of your life, whether it's your family, your friends, your, your spouse, your, your, your connection with God, your faith, your, your business, anything. It doesn't matter. And what business doesn't matter. So the biggest thing that I can say is like, really take action. Like, like listen to stuff, read books, all those things are great, but you got to put them down. You got to actually do something and get out there. And that's really where the true learning begins. Like, like you said, if you didn't go into the jujitsu gym, nothing happens. Like you, you can study jujitsu and watch the show, like watch the matches and, and learn it in a book and all those things, but you have to actually do the maneuvers. You have to actually put yourself out there. You have to go get beat up. You have to get beat up to start start learning and growing. And the same thing here. Like, like honestly, if you flipped a house and broke even, what's the you just got like you just got to learn for free. If you made money, you got paid to learn. If you lost money, you paid to learn. Like, how bad could it be? Like all three of those are wins. Like you go to college and spend hundreds of thousands of dollars in college and nobody thinks about like you you paid for training. Like that's normal, right? Go out and flip a house, lose twenty thousand dollars and that was, it's not that expensive an education. So anyway, I, I don't do that. Like that's not the goal, but uh, make, make money, get paid to learn. That's the best thing. But a lot of times we're like, I'm not going to do that deal. Cause I'm not going to make $45,000. And somebody said I had to make $45,000 on there. Like, sure. To calculate your margin. If you make five, be like, I made $5,000 to learn what to do and what not to do. So take action. Um, you know, stop, stop like just ingesting information all the time, like get out there and do something and then come back and, and, and learn and, and find the right people. So obviously you're listening to this podcast, you're following Nick, which is awesome. And keep, keep going, like get out there and do something. So, and Hey, we'll be in Chicago in July. My mastermind event is in Chicago in July. So I love that city. It's beautiful. So it's the first time we've ever gone to Chicago. So deep dish on me, my friend, I got you covered. <laughs> awesome. I will. I'll reach out to you because um, yeah, I'd love to have you over. Maybe you can come to like the meetup dinner the night before or something like that. It'd be great to uh, meet you in person. So. That. That'd be awesome. Awesome. I'll Bill make sure that we. Pleasure. Bill Allen, you, sir, always bring your A game. I appreciate you sharing your experiences. I look forward to meeting you in Chicago. Uh, have a fantastic day. Have a fantastic weekend, man. And thank you so much. Thanks, Nick. See ya. Amen. If you guys are getting anything from the podcast and some of the great knowledge and tips that the guests are sharing, please take a minute and leave a review on iTunes or any of your platforms with some stars and some comments, helping spread the promotion and spread some visibility for the podcast, for the guests, and for the knowledge so we can continue to do this. It'd only take a minute. I appreciate it. If you guys could take the time, it would go a very, very long way. Again, leave a review on iTunes, start to share, start to spread the word. I really would appreciate it if you're getting anything out of this. Thank you. Okay.